He's the pride of Fairbury, an average Joe. Bill Dolman, the professor. I had a 6 ACT in 1967. One time I got an A and my grandma beat me for cheating. Now with Hale Varsity Radio. It's that time. It's hour two. We kick it off with the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, the professor. It is Bill Dolman at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbo, Connor Clark. Billy D, how's the week? Thanks for hanging out. Just uh, enjoying this uh, wonderful spring-like Nebraska day. <laughs> Good grief. 55 one morning, day. There's snow and... on the ground. Where'd that cut? What happened to that groundhog thing? That was pretty promising, wasn't it? Oh, Pucks Tony Phil's washed, dude. Yeah, uh, Phil, washed. Phil has a contract out on his life. <laughs> Whenever your average for picking the winter is the same as an MLB hitter, you got problems. If you're sub 500, <laughs> you got two options, man. Like, you should at least be 50 50. Mm. But that's what yeah. I say at the sports book, too, and I'm not. Hey, I don't see you predicting the spring or the winter. I, I, I could have you told you. You, could, you think you could do it any it's better than easily, he can? It's easily predictable. It's going to suck. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> I, I, I can tell you this. is how February always goes. You have like a week-long stretch where you're like, oh, man, we're through yeah. the worst of it. And then it cools down yeah. a little bit. And you're like, oh, okay, we should have known better. It is still wintertime, and it's going to warm back up. And that's when the one that really gets you. And you're the right. fool who keeps believing that. Because <laughs> the next time it's going to warm up, probably like next weekend, we're going to say, ah, then, look at this. Now then, it's actually yeah. spring, and then you're going to get the coldest week of the year. That's going to kill you. And then you can enjoy like your one week of spring before 90-degree weather hits. We're gonna have we're gonna have like a blizzard for one of the state basketball tournaments, and when all the one ways become two ways and then icy, right? That's wow. what's gonna happen in Lincoln, right? I love that when the one ways become the two ways. <laughs> Fairberry slander comes out. <laughs> Bill, let's talk some football, and you have the uh, the S and P predictive metrics that have come out. We've spent a little time on that this week, uh, Nebraska. Uh, seven and five per fan duel. That's the over under. And if you're if you're going to lean right now, just kind of blind Pepsi challenge. Are you leaning closer to six and six or nine and three? Well, I got them thirteen and zero, okay. so uh, <laughs> I, that might upset the um, the analytics scale. Okay, uh, I, I wow. look <laughs> objectively. Uh, I I I'm leaning more nine and three because mm. I. I People have looked at Nebraska's second half of the schedule saying, well, once they get through that first half, which is pretty user-friendly, right? I mean, you kick off with UTEP at home, a new coach. Uh, I don't think Nebraska is going to be as blinded by the light, if you will, when they when they take on Deion Sanders. I'm not going to say Coach Prime. Uh, Deion Sanders is a buff. I think this is going to be a completely different um, atmosphere, especially because it's at home, right? And then the rest of the schedule for the first half is pretty user-friendly. And they say, well, they've got USC, and then they've got UCLA. And I'm like, whoa, 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 UCLA. I was dismissing USC or UCLA, bigger pardon, a few months ago. Now, they, maybe they will turn things around. They're Deshaun, not Watson Foster, right? But I, I, that's, a, that's a program that has been completely in an upheaval for months now. They, they did not have a great recruiting class. Their coach is gone right before spring ball. Uh, you've got a first-year head coach. That's going to be a tremendous learning curve for UCLA, and I would be shocked if they can turn that around coming to Lincoln against the Nebraska team that have some, should have some momentum at that time. Now, the rest of the schedule, sure, you've got some games that you know should be perhaps toss-ups and Nebraska won't be favored, and I, I get all that. 
But the first half was pretty user-friendly, and Nebraska's got some momentum. And good fortune, which, let's face it, they haven't had for 20 years. Mm -hmm. But if they get some good fortune and don't lose games 13-10 on the last second kick, I mean, what are the chances of that? For, maybe, for four straight years. Right. Maybe maybe fortune smiles a little bit differently on the Huskers, and maybe some of those 13-10 close losses become 13-10 close wins. I think maybe Matt, Ro uh, Matt uh, Rule alluded to that a little bit. You know, you, you, you lose close, then you start to win close, and then you start to win big. I, I kind of believe that at some point the fortunes have to turn around, and those close games are going to go Nebraska's way, and so some of those toss-ups – why wouldn't it be at least, you know, nine and three? Well, although, but, look, I'm looking 13 and 0. And, and by the way, <laughs> USC isn't exactly coming off a stellar season, and they're going to have a new quarterback. And the quarterback who was the heir apparent is playing in Boise. You know, yeah, it, it, reshuffled deck. Yeah, Bill, Bill whenever you, you talk about the schedule, though, it's a completely different team. So I don't want this to be misconstrued. But the schedule has shades of 2016 Nebraska, where Nebraska opened up that 2016 season. With seven straight wins, you get up into the top 25. Your only real test during that time was the the home game against number 22, Oregon. Like, that's kind of the feel I get with this schedule. Obviously, the back half of the year kind of hurt that team. As they played finished, well against Whiskey, but Ohio State, they, the they, finished, they dropped. They yeah. finished down the stretch two and four, uh, if you include the bowl game, to finish right, at nine and four happen. on the year. But, but from a scheduling point of view how favorably that schedule set up for a team that wasn't Nebraska's best kind of strikes me as this same 2024 schedule of, I don't think this is Nebraska's best football team they've put on the field, not by a long stretch, but I think the schedule sets up for them where if you get momentum going in the right way, momentum's hard to quantify in sports. Right, but also consider the, the air around Nebraska football right now, the culture around Nebraska football. It's different now than it was in 2016. Things had not gone entirely south, you know, for, uh, who was it, Riley? Yeah. Mm -hmm. then. I mean, which, which bad chapter of football was that or coaching was that? Um, I think I think everybody right now, sure, we're, we're drinking the, the, the rule aid, right? But I, I think when you consider the, the, the culture of Nebraska football, I think people objectively, again, think that it's different. Mm -hmm. And when you have Ty Robinson coming back, you know, because he wants to – knows he can be better, and you've got what Nebraska has along both – I think both lines of scrimmage are going to be better. And you've got a defense that is very well respected now. So there, I just think that, yeah, the schedule is similar, I, but I think the, the culture of the team is different than it was, what, now seven, eight years ago. And there's, there's reason to believe that culture is going to help win some games this year. Bill, I know you're not going to like this. And a Big Ten championship and go to the college <laughs> football playoff. But go ahead, Connor. I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I know that you have Dylan Riola coming in. I know he's a five-star. He's still a freshman. Does that knock you off the nine-win pedestal at least a little bit? Look, it, it's not easy for a freshman to win, especially in a conference like like the Big Ten is going to be. But I, I, I can think of the few freshmen who have done okay for themselves. I, I, I was down in, in Houston at the time when Johnny Manziel came on the scene. Did okay for himself as a freshman and, and as a sophomore, right? Um, I think Caleb Williams was pretty good as a freshman at Oklahoma. Uh, I think, you know, Spencer Rattler didn't have a good freshman season at Oklahoma. He, I mean, it's not impossible. It's not impossible for a freshman to come in and not have to be the star. I don't think Dylan Rayola has to be the star of the Nebraska football team. I think he just has to have a solid freshman season, 
try to uh, limit mistakes, have a coaching staff that coaches within his capability and doesn't put it all on him and say, you're the guy who has to carry this football team. And Dylan needs to understand that he doesn't need to carry this football team. How about we don't, how about collectively the team not fumble, right? <laughs> um, Dylan Rayola is not going to be playing on that three, three, five defense that we all think is going to be really good. It was good last year. So Dylan Rayola doesn't have to be the one who uh, Nebraska relies on. He needs to be, he needs to be serviceable. He needs to be solid. He needs to be good. He needs to protect the football, making, make good decisions, but to put it all on him for Nebraska to be, you know, nine and oh, nine or nine and three. I don't think that's the case. So who does need to be the star in your mind? I think that I think co- collectively the defense for one, not just one person. No, not one person is going to win you, you know, championships unless perhaps their last name is Brady or Mahomes. Although I saw that uh, Kansas City picked up uh, a backup quarterback from Pittsburgh, so they've got some insurance in case Mahomes can't carry the team next year. <laughs> but um, I, I, I don't, I don't see it as a, as a one as a one person team that's going to make the whole difference. Um, and that hasn't been the case on, you know, the great Nebraska football teams of the past. You had a pipeline offensive line. You had a great defense. You had Tommy Frazier had help. If you look behind him, he had, you know, you know, Lawrence and he had the, the offensive line. And it's a team game, but I think that defense is going to win Nebraska some football games. Bill, you, you've nailed it with some of those freshman examples. They didn't have to be the guy. They had to be better than than what has been going on the past few years with quarterback play. So do you like that offensive side of the ball with a veteran offensive line picking up the slack? Do you like the running back room? Do you like the receiving core to help complement and aid uh, potentially a, a freshman, a true freshman starter? Is it is it nice? You were there in 92. We had Will Shields on the offensive line. You had a good black shirt defense. You had – uh, I, I think uh, Calvin and, and and Lawrence. So, you you had options. You had talent to uh, kind of distribute uh, that that weight that 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 load to. Uh, do you see enough at least on paper right now that, that Nebraska can can have uh, some of those uh, those heavy lifters? I, I should also mention. Yeah, Tommy Frazier was a freshman who did come in and and, and did pretty well when. When it came time for him to start, what was it, the sixth game of the season, with a very good supporting cast around him. Tommy didn't have to be Tommy Frazier, junior, senior, his freshman year for that team to be uh, really good. I think we would all agree, in addition to that defense, uh, collectively as a unit being good, I think Nebraska's offensive line has more depth now than, than in many years. I think that they can probably go solidly too deep for the first time in a while and not try to figure out, well, if the center gets hurt, then we got to bring over a left guard. Then we got to bring in a left tackle to play right guard because the right guard, I don't think they have that right now. Uh, I, I like the running back room. If Irvin and Johnson, one or both can come back and be productive and be healthy. I, I have a hard time with Gabe Irvin. I think a hip injury is really something to come back from. Ask Bo Jackson, but maybe, maybe he's more of a fullback type player. I think Quentin Knives has a chance, and the the transfer from Oregon Dowdell. names is Dowdell. Dowdell uh, is a pretty solid back, and re- and I mentioned it last week, I think, or maybe it was on the Average Joe podcast that if you like San Francisco's offense, not the second half of the Super Bowl, the star of the show there is is the running back, mm-hmm. and they've got the best in the game in Christian McCaffrey. So if Nebraska has 
a good stable of backs and one that can, you know, give you 15 really good carries a game behind a, a deep offensive line. I, I like Nebraska's tight ends a lot, mm-hmm. and I think that they'll be utilized. Receivers have some really flashy resumes, don't they? And measurables, as they call them, you know, in the scouting combine, really good measurables. But those guys need to really grow up pretty quickly. That I think that's maybe the biggest, eh, okay, freshman quarterback. But those receivers, are they – going to be big play guys that i think is a huge question collectively banks and naor should help supplement that yes These guys that yep. have played ball and and bill yep. i want to get your thoughts here on a, a position group that often goes unnoticed not by me but it's the offensive line did you see enough from them last year with their development to to i don't want to say assume next year will be better but did you see enough from what coach riola instilled within them to think that they're not going to be a problem issue on this team moving forward the one thing about Donnie Rayola is I know his players love him. And is it the same kind of uh, love that, you know, they had back in the day with the pipeline with Milton Dan? Uh, I think that's probably a, a work in progress. But I know his players like playing for him, which is significant. Uh, I, I think you only need to look at Ben Hart. Two years ago, he was a punchline, right? And last year, you could say he was the best of the offensive line, which was not bad. It wasn't the offensive line that cost Nebraska games. It was holding on to the football, right? So I, I think if you look at Ben Hart's development, uh, I think you have depth there that's going to push guys to be better um, so that they just can't rely on, well, we don't have numbers behind us, so we're the guys who are going to start. Uh, I think that they can be interchangeable probably through those top 10 players, and I think that's going to make a big difference with this team. So I, I like the makeup of the line, part, partly because I like the culture that – I say culture a lot, but I know those guys like their coach. And I think he's proven to be a really good uh, hire or retainee by Matt Rule, regardless of who who the quarterback is and what his last name is. Bill, about uh, 90 seconds, uh, the Ohio State opening. I'd uh, love your short list for that opening. Mac has been mentioned, of course, or there's smoke around him from Creighton. Who else kind of tickles your fancy for that Ohio State job? Well, I, I, I thought Buzz Williams maybe uh, because he's at Texas A&M and he's at a football school, but I, I was talking to somebody else about it, and I, I didn't realize that, that Williams has, has Texas roots, so maybe he's at home there. And Ross Bjork, who was the AED at Texas A&M, went to Ohio State, so I thought maybe that might be a natural. Uh, but Mick Cronin at, at UCLA, uh, I think – Look, football's not the only one that's got some issues at UCLA. And I could see Mick Cronin has roots in Ohio, a coach at Xavier, Louisville. Since uh, I, I think that one, you know, he had, he had UCLA at a really high level with that one class that's been gone. Now they're in the middle of the pack two. <laughs> um, I, I think if it's not, I think if you're, if you're at Notre Dame, I mean, beg your pardon, Creighton, uh, you are saying a few uh, Hail Marys that, that it's Mick Cronin and not uh, McDermott, because I think McDermott would be a great fit there too. Mick uh, Cronin is, I mean, I was watching just a little bit of the UCLA Buffs game last night. And I mean, it's empty seat night at Poly Pavilion. And that's, yep. a, that's a, that's a yeah. money game and, on a Thursday. And it's not as though, you know, they, they pack him in at, at in Columbus either. Uh, you know, it's, that's a thing to do, not the thing to do in Columbus. Okay. <laughs> Um, you know, they're passionate about their football this time. You're waiting for spring ball, but Nebraskans are passionate about basketball too. Ohio State, I don't think that's the case. So that's a tough sell for somebody to take that job. But if you're Mick Cronin and you're in Pauley Pavilion, the house that wouldn't built, 
and they're not coming, maybe it's time to go. It's a weird combination at Ohio State of high expectations with and, and moderate not, fan support, and, and not, which is also and not why being maybe the show. Maybe McDermott doesn't go because look, they're packing him in at CHI, and he's you know really the mm-hmm. reason why. Mm-hmm. But this was supposed to be Creighton's year. And I don't think it's going to be. And how tough is it going to be re- rebuild that? And maybe it's time for him to have a new challenge. Billy D will check in with you this weekend, bud. Thanks for jumping on. All right, boys. Go Big Red. See you. There he is. Bill Dolman with us. Connor Onions, BTN, play-by-play man up next.